Stories from a Hard Place is an anthology podcast. Every Thursday, R.A. Jacobson presents another story from a hard place, read by the author. Stories of loneliness and betrayal, of false hope and shattered dreams, of gifts and regrets, of love and accidental kindness. Each story follows a separate path that leads to the realization that sometimes the only solution is a lead pill. Listener discretion is advised. Contains strong language, violence, and some adult situations. Episode 21, Passing It Forward. This is part one of a two-part telling. Usually, all ten of the motel's windows facing Highway 11 had their drapes closed tight against the headlights of the westbound cars that glared straight into those rooms, making it nearly impossible to sleep. There weren't many cars passing. This stretch of blacktop was rarely used, but even one could ruin a night's sleep. Glenn stood in the frozen gravel drive off of Highway 11, his back to the motel, looking into the dark forest across the highway. Behind him, a single light on a pole lit the parking area. It cast long shadows in front of him into the dark. He considered his breath as it frosted into the night air. It mixed with the smoke from his cigarette. He took a drag, then flicked the butt into the dark and watched the glowing tip vanish. His jacket was open, despite the cold. He could feel its bite on his nose and fingertips. He looked into the sky above him. He was always amazed at how many stars he could see here. In the city, there were stars, but here, there were a thousand times more. Tonight, however, the sky was dark. The stars were nowhere to be seen, and a full moon shone weakly through the heavy cloud cover. He turned and looked at the motel. The motel must have been sitting here for over 40 years, maybe longer, and it showed. He had started working here when he dropped out of college. He didn't want to go back home and hear the disappointment in his mother's voice again. A friend in his dorm had said that he knew of a job that would pay okay and it would give him a quiet place to consider what he was going to do next. It certainly gave him time to think. Every night for the past three months, he sat at his desk and read and thought and smoked. He wasn't any closer to an idea than the day he'd arrived. He had begun to believe that this had been a bad idea. This motel had started to feel like a prison, like a place he would never escape. It wasn't a busy motel. Many nights, he had not one stop. A person had to be pretty tired to stop here. It wasn't welcoming. It needed paint. The office window was cracked, a small sliver of glass missing. Years ago, somebody had taped over the hole with masking tape. The tape had all but disintegrated. Motel, written in big block letters on the roof, had a horror movie feel. Many of the bulbs that shone up on the wooden painted letters were burnt out or on their last days. The tiny neon office sign was barely visible. He looked at the single black window. It reminded him of a missing tooth. It was the second to the last window. It was room nine. He wanted to go check, yet he also did not want to. He was unsure what he would find. He would have to check soon. But not yet. He stared at the black window. 
With an animal shake, he walked back to the office. He sat in his chair and stared out the window. Nights were quiet. He had been on the night shift from day one. The owner of the motel had asked him if he was okay with the night shift. Glenn said it was perfect. He needed time to think. The man had laughed. Well, you'll get plenty of time for that. And hired him. Glenn pulled out his Jack Reacher novel that he'd found in a used bookstore. It was dog-eared and had cost him a buck. He had read it before, but he enjoyed the security of a world where one man could be that sure, that untroubled by anything. He read and reread the same paragraph, and in frustration he put the book down. He leaned back in his chair. It creaked and threatened to tip over backwards. He was doing his best not to think about room nine, not to think about what was in there. He sat for as long as he could. He put the back-in-a-minute sign on the window and walked down the building. He stood looking at the door with the nine on it. He knocked lightly, then opened the door. It was dark in the room except for the light that came in from the yard. Hello, he whispered to the dark. There was no response. The bathroom door opened and light flooded out. A dream walked out, carried by the light. He stared, his mouth open. She was a vision, a vision out of his deepest fantasies. The woman, unselfconsciously naked except for the towel around her head, smiled at him. Hello, she said. She pulled the towel off and bent forward to dry her hair. Are you okay? he asked. Oh, I'm fine. Much better. Thank you. And thank you for letting me stay here. Um, no problem, he said. I don't have any clothes that will fit you, but I brought you a pair of coveralls. Oh, thank you. That's great. She stepped forward and took the rolled-up bundle. There he used and smelled of oil and varsol. She unrolled the coveralls, stepped into the legs, and pulled them over her shoulders. He should look away. He shouldn't stare. But he couldn't pull away. He was mesmerized. Her ribs pushed up and forward as she pulled her arms into the sleeves. She bent and rolled the long pant legs, first one leg, then the other. Once done, she stood straight and started to roll up the sleeves. The zipper was still undone, opened. One breast teased him as it popped in and out of view. Once the sleeves were rolled up, she pulled the zipper up to her neck. He felt a pang of loss. You should close the curtains, he said, pointing at them. She looked at him puzzled, then said, Okay. She walked past him and closed the curtains. Do you need anything? Are you hungry? he asked. No, I, I don't think so, she responded, again the puzzled look. You look a lot better, he said. I do? Now it was his turn to look puzzled. He remembered how he'd found her. He had slipped out back for a smoke, and she had been laying in the snow. The snow was stained red from the blood. Her clothing was shredded and mostly torn away, as was her flesh. She was drenched in blood. He was sure she was dead. Then her eyes flashed open. He went to her. He didn't know what to do. She looked bad. He reached for her, then stopped, afraid to touch her. It's okay. I'll call an ambulance. No! she said and had grabbed his hand with such force it had hurt. But you're hurt, he said, looking around, trying to decide what to do. It's not as bad as it looks. I just need a place to clean up and maybe sleep, she said. 
She rolled slightly to her left and pushed herself upright. He rushed forward and helped her to her feet. She was tiny. He held her up and walked her to the closest room. He opened the room and switched on the light. She flinched and screamed, No! No light! Okay, okay, he said, turning the light off. He had seen her, though. In that brief light, had seen the deep gashes on her back and her chest that were still bleeding. She was cut up pretty badly. He winced as he laid her down on the bed, partly from the pain it caused her and partly from the blood that was certainly going to be soaking into the bedding. He wasn't sure how he was going to explain that. She whimpered and curled into a fetal pose and fell asleep. He stood looking at her. He really should call the cops or something. This was nuts. He was in so much trouble. Her hand reached out and grasped his. Thank you. Just a little time. It'll be all okay, she said. She held his hand. He stood still for a long time. Her hand slipped as she fell into a deeper sleep. He watched her breathing. It was rhythmic and steady. He turned and left for a smoke. Remembering this, he exclaimed, You were all caught up when I found you. She looked at him. Oh, that. It looked far worse than it was, she smiled. It looked pretty bad. You had very deep gashes on your back and your chest. I saw them, he said, suddenly not as sure as he had been a few minutes ago. Well, you just saw me, she smiled, tipping her head down slightly. I looked all right, didn't I? Yes, he said, blushing. She smiled, enjoying his discomfort. She sat on the edge of the bed. What happened to you? he asked. Her smile slipped, then returned as bright as ever. Oh, it was a misunderstanding. My father... Wait, your dad did that to you? he said, shocked. No, well, not really. She looked down at her hands. It was not his fault. What do you mean? Did he do this? Well, what he did, he didn't know he did. He didn't know what he gave me. And that was a while ago. Besides, he bit a lead pill a couple of months back, so it's not really important anymore. She laughed lightly. I guess it wasn't lead. A silver pill, then? She smiled at her private joke. He looked at her, baffled by how she could defend her dad if he was responsible for what he had seen. Glenn, right? She stood and moved close to him. Um, yes, Glenn, he said. She moved closer still. I need you to help me, Glenn. She put her hand on his chest. I need a place to stay for a couple of days. I... You can't stay here. I'm sorry. My shift ends at six. I just need a couple of days. Can I come home with you? She slid her arm up and around his neck. Just for a couple of days. It's not much, he said, thinking about the small house he had rented. It was tiny. It'll be perfect. She pulled him down to him and kissed him. I guess you can come, he mumbled. She kissed him again, jumped and wrapped her legs around him. He returned her smile. But first, I have to clean this room, he said, looking about. I can help, she said brightly. The comforter was soaked with blood. There was a single, small, barefoot print in blood on the carpet. He wasn't sure what he was going to do about that. 
but the comforter and the sheets he could replace from the storeroom. He couldn't leave them in the laundry. There would be questions. He'd have to take them home and wash them at the laundromat and return them clean. He looked at her. He realized he didn't know her name. What's your name? She laughed. Christine. Christine Rutland. Nice to meet you. She extended her small hand. He smiled and took it. You stay here, Christine. It's too cold to be traipsing around in bare feet. I'll go and get some clean bedding, he said. He hesitated, wondering if leaving her alone was such a good idea. Then, still unsure, turned and left. The storeroom was behind the office. He walked through the cold, unlocked the storeroom, and pulled the chain to turn the light on. He had to slide around the maid's cart to get the bedding. He pulled down sheets, pillowcases, and comforter. He pulled the chain, locked the door, and walked back. He glanced at his watch, still an hour before his shift ended. He opened the room to nine and stopped. Christine was on her hands and knees in the middle of the room. At first he couldn't figure out what she was doing. Then he saw she was licking the bloody footprint. What? he asked. He couldn't believe what he was seeing. She sat back on her heels and smiled at him. She wiped her mouth with a hand. I've just about got it all, she said with pride. He looked at the carpet. She was right. It was gone. Gross, he thought, but it worked. Slightly shaken, he moved to the bed and pulled the comforter off. Christine rose and helped. It was done in minutes. Glenn rolled up the bloody bedding. Stay here. I'll be right back, he said. Oh, just a sec. She ran to the bathroom and came back holding the remains of her clothes. Don't forget these. She held them out with two fingers and screwed up her nose. He took the blood-soaked rags, once again marveling how much blood she had lost, yet had no wounds on her at all. He took the bedding and rags to his truck and tossed them into the box. He leaned on the truck. It wasn't right. He looked at the sky, looking for the stars, but saw only black. Quick glance to his watch. Dave would be here soon to take over. Climbed in the truck and started it. It took a couple of turns before it fired, then roared to life. He turned the heater on high, closed the door, letting it idle. She walked back to the room. Christine was sitting on the bed. She looked up when he came in and smiled. Glenn looked around the room. It looked okay. Dave will be here soon. I'll take you to the truck. It'll be warm. You can wait there, he said. Okay, she said and stood. Your feet will freeze. I'll carry you. He stepped forward. She smiled at him and put her arms around his neck. Okay, she whispered. He picked her up easily and carried her to his truck. She opened the door and he lifted her into the truck seat. It wasn't warm, but it was getting there. He closed the truck door and started walking to the office when he saw headlights on the highway. The car slowed, signaled, and turned into the parking lot. It was Dave, slightly early as always. He pulled his Ford up to the office, shut it off, and stepped out. Morning, Glenn said. Dave looked at him, frowned. Morning. He wasn't a morning person. He needed several cups of coffee in about an hour to come alive. Nothing's changed. Only those two guys from the plant in 11 and 12, Glenn said. Okay. Dave responded and walked into the office, Glenn following. Glenn watched Dave hang up his coat, sit, and adjust things the way he liked it. He handed Glenn his dog-eared paperback with a look of distaste. Okay, have a good morning, Dave said. You too.
Glenn said and left the office. Glenn walked to his truck, his boots squeaking on the snow. It always seemed colder just before dawn. The cab was warm when he climbed in. Christine smiled at him. She waited till he settled in his seat, then she slid across the seat to sit right beside him. It made him feel special. The truck was an old standard Chevy with a long stick that stood straight up from the floorboards. He pulled the stick back in reverse. His fingers stroked her thigh. She pushed forward into his fingers. His body reacted like he had never felt it before. For a second, he was flustered, confusion washing over him. He shook slightly, pushed the truck into first, and pulled out onto the highway. Glenn had rented a cabin not far from the motel. They were only a few minutes on the highway when Christine pulled her legs up and slid her head into Glenn's lap and fell asleep. Overwhelmed by the coveralls, she looked like a child. Glenn looked at her quiet, sleeping face. He felt a swell of a feeling he was unfamiliar with. He needed to protect her. He needed to keep her safe. When he got to the cabin, she was still asleep. He picked her up easily and carried her into the cabin. The cabin was usually rented to hunters and fishermen in the winter months, and in the summer to families on vacation. It was small, but it was all he needed. A kitchen, a bedroom, and a bathroom with a shower. It didn't have much in the way of hot water, but enough. In the main room was a small pot-bellied stove. He put her down on the old blue couch and set to lighting a fire in the stove. The cabin warmed quickly. He made his bed, then sat down beside her on the couch to wait for her to wake. He woke in bed. A sliver of sunlight edged his heavy curtains. He stretched, then jumped when a soft voice said, Afternoon, sleepyhead. You want a coffee? He sat up, the night before flooding back. Christine sat on the edge of his bed, smiling. Yeah, a coffee would be great. Christine stood and skipped out of the room. She was wearing one of his sweaters. It hung off one shoulder and halfway down to her knees. She came back in a minute, smiling, carrying a mug. He took it in both hands. Thank you, he said. I must have been very tired. I don't remember coming to bed. Oh, honey. When I woke, you were passed out. You look so cute, she touched his cheek. So I put you to bed. I don't remember, he sipped on his coffee. You never woke. I carried you in and tucked you in. He looked down and noticed he was naked under the covers. Yeah, I tucked you in. I thought you would be more comfortable without all those tight clothes, she grinned as he looked down. Her eyes looked at him from under her eyebrows. There was mischief in those eyes. You undressed me, he said. After I carried you here, she smiled, her head coming up. Wait, what do you mean, you carried me? I'm stronger than I look, she said proudly. He looked at her, surprised. She leaned forward. A sweater hung open, revealing her small breasts. He looked. She smiled as she took his coffee, placed it on the night table, and pulled the sweater over her head. She stood in front of him naked. He looked at her. Inside, he laughed at himself. Here is this gorgeous woman standing naked in front of him, and he was looking for half-healed cuts and scars. There was nothing. Her skin was perfect. She was perfect. Christine climbed into bed, pushing him back and down. See? Nothing. Not a scratch. I heal quick, she said and kissed him. 
hope you enjoyed Passing It Forward. Tune in next week for the conclusion of Passing It Forward. Music by Noah Zachran. Production copyright by R.A. Jacobson 2021. If you would like to support Stories from a Hard Place, please go to patreon.com forward slash hard place. If you'd like a book version, either ebook or print, you can find it on Amazon. You can find links to all these and much more at Dead Cat Studio. That's deadcatstud.io. Thanks for listening. Keep the shiny side up. Thank you.